This is Coda Radio, episode 130 for December 1st, 2014. Everyone and welcome to Coda Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week is our excellent host on the East Coast, Mr. Michael Dominic. Hey there, Michael. Welcome in. Welcome. This is the Quarter Radio Germany edition. Oh boy, I have a bad accent. I can't even do it a little bit. You sound a little bit like Colonel Clink from Hogan's Heroes. Yeah, that's which probably you know my... is all right. You, all you have to say is Ed Hogan, <laughs> and I'm good, right? I'm covered. Uh, you know, I feel dirty today. I feel I'm a little sad. Uh, it's like it's it's one part like a really good day, and then one part a really bad day. Like I'll start with the bad stuff, and then I'll end it with a good with a good like you know happy ending. And chat room, don't forget to bang suggest as we go along. Chat room, we need your title suggestions. We got a big hoopla we're going to get to today. You'll probably get your titles later in the show. But I don't, I don't believe in happy endings. In fact, I've uh, I've recently seen an executive order <laughs> granting um, legal status to unhappy endings. Okay. Well, I think that might be in the I, I hear your dog's fired up in the background. Too. You know, they're pacing yeah, my because... dog my dog is a strong tea partier. He's got one of those three-pointed hats on right now. Oh, He's kind man. of upset. Oh man. Uh, I feel, you know, today I, I had big plans all year long. I've been wanting to get a big TV for the studio because we have guests over from time to time and it's always ironic they come over to a production studio and then we can't like show them the stuff we do or watch anything because we don't all our displays are like for editing or like in the studio for doing shows we don't actually have any way to watch anything outside of our offices and studios so i thought this year cyber monday comes along gonna get me a tv and you know what my truck decided it needed a whole bunch of work and that's where all my cyber monday money went so that's that's the that's the bad part. However, the good part, Mr. Dominic, is uh, I had a really good chat with uh, Mark Shuttleworth in uh, Sunday's Linux Action Show, and one of the topics that came up was one we've talked about here on the show before. And then today, I had a great interview with Lenart Pottering, and we had a discussion about some trolling things, and uh, you know if uh, how how that's been, and if it's sort of demotivated him from working on uh, open source projects and things like that. So it's some good talks too. Like we got some good stuff out in the air. So it's like a mixed day for me. I'm a bit of a mess. How's it on the East Coast? Well, the IRS went shopping for Cyber Monday in my wallet. <laughs> it was not great. Mm. Um, if you've ever seen the movie where the guy gets mugged, it is like that movie. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that, Mr. Dominic. I blame the the Democratic Party. And, of course, the Republican Party. Good. Enough blame to go around. Well, There's plenty to go around. So a topic from last week's episode that you might have guessed got quite a bit of feedback. So let's get into the feedback. I talked about how I kind of wanted to redo the Jupiter Broadcasting website, perhaps go CMS-free if possible. Well, Fabian well, and a lot of other people wrote in. But Fabian wrote in. He says, hey, Chris, I heard you talking about redoing your website without the need of a complex, complex CMS like Drupal or WordPress. Everything you want can be done with Pico CMS. Oh, he says, you can transfer out your markdown files in their current folder. 
and they'll just be added to your menu as they show up as pages for your web page. No need for databases, just flat files. Heck, you can even SSH into your server and write your own markdown via Vim or Emacs. Need to migrate even faster? Just copy that folder. Here's a double bonus. Your co-host on TechSnap, you know, Alan, he also uses it to power BSDNow.tv. You can find it at PicoCMS.org. Greetings, Fabian. So I, uh, yeah, I've, I've heard of PicoCMS, and it's kind of one of our forerunners right now. And uh, the BSD Now site runs on it. So just to recap, because I'm kind of crowdsourcing ideas, is the idea would be for like a 2015 edition of the Jupyter Broadcasting website. We migrate off of a CMS. It's just flat files, serving up the video and the links to download the audio files and all that stuff, maybe even an audio player, but real basic. But while I want the functionality of like the publishing of the site to be really crazy basic, just flat text, no databases, drive from Markdown with possible so that way we can automate the publishing process from encode to publish, one thing I would like ideas on from the audience is what we could do to make it attractive to app developers like this morning i was thinking about our uh, our our show schedule feed that show that tells you when shows are going to be live and how it can change and it would be really nice if that was like a a feed that was available to the people that are making our roku apps our xbmc apps the android apps all those different ones that they could use when they're developing their applications to make them even better and maybe like a notification system for new releases and and that kind of stuff would be so I'm trying to think of I, I want to keep the website really clean and simple. I want to make it easy to like move around if we need to, and I want to make sure that it's just really it, it's just getting you the content. That's all it has to do. But I'd also like to have some of this functionality that I think traditionally you would derive from a C, uh, CMS and I without the CMS. So I'm looking for ideas on on things that not only we could do to empower developers to make better apps around Jupyter Broadcasting, but the ways we could do that. So if you have any suggestions, I would love to hear it. Shoot us some feedback. Uh, and along those same lines, Benjamin writes, on, writes in, and actually uh, I think Wade did too. A couple of people wrote in about Hugo. Now get this, Mr. Dominic. You're ready for this. This is going to impress you. He says, hello, Chris and Mike. Regarding your wish to move away from CMSs, you may want to take a look at Hugo, a static site generator written in Go. Get it, Hugo? Oh! Uh, yeah. Uh, uh. The advantage over other static site generators like Jekyll is that rebuilding the site after an article update, for example, is much faster. And keep up the good work, he says. So he linked it to us. It's uh, gohugo.io. Boy, that's clever. Gohugo.io. I'm going to go there right now. Well, look at this. It says, make the web fun again. Introducing Hugo, a new idea around making website creation simple again. Hugo flexibly works with many formats and is ideal for blogs, docs, portfolios, and much more. Hugo's speed fosters creativity and makes building websites fun again. Run anywhere. It's quite possibly the easiest install software you've ever used. Simply download and run. Hugo doesn't depend on administrative privileges, databases, runtimes, interpreters, or external libraries. Sites built with Hugo can run and be deployed on S3, GitHub, uh, GitHub pages, Dropbox, or any web host. This is really fascinating. So there's uh, currently cont- the contenders are Pico CMS and Hugo. And uh, if you have any ways that we could, any ideas, thoughts, on ways we could extend this to make it better for developers, I would really love to hear ideas. Mr. Dominic, is anything... Anything on this topic jump into mind for you on ways you we know, can improve the site? I'm not the Jupiter Broadcasting site or yeah. Hugo. No, the Jupiter. You know, in things we could do to make it more appealing for people to write applications for us. Like if you were going to make a JB app uh, that like gave you know the ability to watch the live feed, check the calendar. Maybe. Well, do you have an API that returns JSON? Well, I, like some of the things like do that, like the Google Calendar technically from no, Google no, Calendar. No, returns. no, no. I mean, it's like an overarching JB API that returns JSON. No, the, no, there's the not. Call and, that's what I'm so worried about. 
Pico CMS is kind of like killing that potential. So I'm wondering how you build that on top of, I want to keep the system really lean and simple, but I want to have some nice features and functionality. Yeah, I mean, you just rewrite it in Rails, dude. Nicola is also another option. Uh, Dude, no, I don't want to do that. Really? No way. It it writes itself, Chris. (laughs) You mean all I have to do is just sprinkle code on the the ground and then it grows itself? Chris, if your heart is pure and you believe, it will write itself. See, the whole idea really was to try to super simplify it so a series of scripts could do the publishing so that way we could, you know, up increase the volume without having to increase dramatic workload. Yeah, but why not just have fun and, you know, write code that makes women swoon and grown men weep? Oh, uh, Ruby does that? Yes, of course. Oh, okay. Hmm. So you think what it is is we need, like, a Jupyter Broadcasting-wide API? Oh, you, you know, in all seriousness, you definitely need that, whether it's in Ruby or not. And it pretty much has to return JSON because unless you're a savage. Right. Yeah. Um, hmm. Why not some PHP goodness? Mm-hmm. I mean, re- realistically, you could do it in cage. Cake PHP P. Sorry, I hate it so much I can't say it. <laughs> it what is it? Album. PHP. There we go. P H. You gotta say it like that. H P. I'm sorry. Is it? Is it P H P? So gross. That, that, that sounded amazing through the yeah. microphone. I'm sure. Yeah, it did. <laughs> oh wow. Well, okay. So this is something I need some, uh, yeah, uh, Nicola and P- uh, Pico use PHP Rotten Corpse is saying in the chat room. Or, or, you, you can always go with the pinnacle of open source technology. ASP MVC5, baby. Of course. Uh, the new hotness, uh, as we also call it, the kids call it now. The new hotness. I call it the, the, the big VC. <laughs> Why? Because big VCs fund you when you write your apps in it? Uh, historically, no. Oh, but they're going to. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, so there you go. There's enough about the Jupiter Broadcasting website for your faces. Uh, I would like I would like your smart thoughts on that. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact or even Notice better. I said smart thoughts, therefore discounting all of my comments so far. Quarter, no, I think you nailed it. i just curious how to pull it off. Quoteradio.reddit.com would also be a good what, spot So it's currently in WordPress, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's kind of a bitch. Uh, mm-hmm. And you know it's silly stuff like that will will kind of break and it's and it also just there's an administration overhead to WordPress that none of us really have the time for. Well, and WordPress is like the Windows XP of the internet, right? Like if 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 your site is going to get attacked, it's almost certainly going to get attacked right. via WordPress. And right? and it's just so unnecessary. Like uh, you know, like I, I don't know, like if what we were thinking early on. I think I think it, it was started because it was easy, easy. maybe. Yeah, that's yeah. how everybody. I mean. We deploy WordPress sites for people when it's like, oh, we need a marketing page for our app or whatever, mm-hmm. or like a, a help page. But I, I mean, there's some big sites that do run on WordPress. I mean, that is a thing. But yeah, it's but, I mean, so much point, more than we need. They, and at that point, they've customized it and wrote their own code. That yeah, uh, unless you were like a dedicated PHP WordPress guy, I'm not sure that that makes a whole lot of sense. Right, and that was sort of my thoughts on it. It was it sort of seemed like. Let's let's sort of reanalyze what we use our website for, and it's really it's really just to present the shows. That's all it really has to do. But I would like services and feeds to come off of that. that so, would, how does it work with Scale Engine, though? Because then the other concern is going to be scalability, right? Like well, this. yes, but that keeps yeah. it keeping it all text and stuff like that is going to make it even easier, right? It'll make it even faster. And oh, you you Scale do want to do it all? Okay. Yeah. Well, Scale Engine will take care of the caching, so it can cache the files out on the edge, right. and it'll actually be nice and clean. I just, uh, you know, and like I don't, I don't ever want to have to go update my 
website again for security fixes. It's just I don't I don't need all that functionality. Well, with any framework, you're going to have to keep your shit yeah, up to date, sure. right? Like, but it, if it I does... if it's updating a few packages, fine. Right. It would Whatever be like, you know, apt-get update Rails or apt-get update, you know, cake. See, there's the other route. Like the, uh, the, the, the good folks over at Twit right now are uh, also redoing their website for separate reasons. And they're kind of going the opposite direction. And it's an interesting, compelling idea. So they've been running on Drupal forever. And they have just not ever been happy with the way Drupal renders, the way it looks. They've just never really been happy. Even though they hired designers, they've always had issues. So now their idea is to do what they're calling, quote-unquote, a headless Drupal. Right, where you have the CMS in the back end of Drupal, and then you build a website, and they're building it in Node.js to access that functionality through an API. That same API will be available to all the developers. So the API that the site will use to interact with the back end of Drupal will be the same API available to everybody, and their website will just be another client to that. And Headless Drupal sounds neat because you get the benefits of a CMS management system with your own customized front end. But the problem is I don't have a staff of 30. And I don't really feel like my site needs to do any of that. It really just needs to get the content in front of people. Yeah, and I wonder if they didn't have so much legacy in Drupal, would they have gone ahead with Drupal and right. not just like, you know, right. some app, right? Because it solves that whole ASP. migration problem. And... Right, so they don't have to do the migration. That's what it is, right? Yeah. They, they don't have to handle that. I'm looking I, at their new site. No judgment. Is this their new or their no, old No, that's site? their old one. That's their old one. No judgment on Drupal or WordPress. I think they're both fine for jobs they do. They're just not the one, they're not the ones I want. I think the problem with all the CMSs tends to be, though, and, and it seems like the problem Twit has fairly successfully solved, once you're in them, you're in them and you're stuck. And it's super painful to get out. Right. I mean, I guess any framework is going to have that problem. But yeah, Chris, you're screwed. Have fun. <laughs> Help me, Obi-Wan audience. You're my only hope. You see the new Star Wars trailer? I did. and And I have to say that. How many people have had their hands cut off? Of course he put a hand guard on his lightsaber. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I mean, it's idiotic that no one thought of it before, really. Yep. I was looking at yeah. that thinking that, of course. It's like seatbelts in Star Trek. Somebody should do They finally did that, you know, in, C- yeah. in Star Trek. They did seatbelts, but they cut the scene out of Nemesis. It's in the mm-hmm. outtakes. Hey, um, so we're done talking about us, or at least the website. Uh, but we have a couple more emails to get to. First, though, I think I'll stop and thank our first sponsor. Seems about the right time. And that's Linux Academy. Linux Academy is a continuing sponsor of the Coder Radio program for a couple of specific reasons. You guys are exactly the right audience. Those of you who, uh, there's a couple of people I think that fall under that umbrella. Those of you who now find themselves in that DevOps category that uh, my co-host Alan on TechSnap refuses to believe exists, but I know you're out there. They've really got a lot of great courseware for you. Those of you who just want to move your skills forward, they've got a lot of great courseware for you as well. And the reason is, Linux Academy is created by people who understand the Linux ecosystem. They understand the development process because they're developers themselves, and they've used this technology in production, plus educators who have implemented training courses on this in the past. They came together and created Linux Academy from scratch a while ago now, and it's grown more and more because they really do that job very well. That's what they do. It's their bag, and they nail it like nobody else. So go over to linuxacademy.com slash coders. That'll get you the Coder Radio discount. Jump in. Check out the courseware. You can choose from 7-plus Linux distributions. It'll automatically adjust all the courseware to match that. It's super slick. Downloadable comprehensive study guides. You can study offline. You can read it at your own pace. You can listen to the content. Watch the videos. They have live streams that incorporate all of this. They have scenario-based labs that will actually get you hands-on in virtual machines deploying this technology. You can get instructor help whenever you need it. They have a community that will help boost you along if you ever slow down a little bit and need that extra motivation. They have tons of great OpenStack courses, new courseware on Puppet being added too. 
It's really a lot of good stuff. Go over to Linux Academy right now, linuxacademy.com slash coders. Go sign up for a little while, maybe through the holidays. Don't worry about not having the time. They also have the ability for you to go in, plug in how much time you have available. They call it the learning plan. You say, I have this much time free this week. It will custom build you courseware that matches that availability, help you with reminders for quizzes. You can go back in, see exactly how long this section is going to take. You can do recaps to see if you've forgotten anything. It's the perfect time to polish up those Python skills, those OpenStack skills, Android development skills, or really truly buckle down on that DevOps position that you've been sort of skirting around. LinuxAcademy.com slash coder. There's really never been a better time to train yourself and get better. And as the new year approaches, there might be a great little incentive there too. Lots of good courseware on AWS as well. I'm just looking at their list of all these AWS certified developer, AWS certified sysops administrator, AWS certified solutions architect, and more. They got all of them there. And they have all this information broken out on their website as well with in-depth resources that are available to you all of the time, practice exams, detailed notes ready to go, your own Linux servers. You can easily follow along, say, the DevOps, advanced training, or run multiple distributions at the same time, try out different things, have fun with real Linux servers. It's all part of the Linux Academy package. It's really awesome. Their enhanced learning plans are unique as well. Go check it out, linuxacademy.com slash coders. And a big, big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. linuxacademy.com slash coders. All right, Mr. Dominic. Our next email comes in from P. Lorenzo. And he has a question that I almost wonder if he knows the answer to, but I'd like to hear your take on this. Uh, and I wonder what this would all apply to. He says, I have a project I've been working on over the course of the last five years, so I've committed some good time to working on it, and I've enjoyed it, or else, you know, I probably wouldn't have continued. I've run into a situation where a foreign company is using the same name as my product or project to sell their product. Long ago, I decided to open source my project and only make money by donation. I don't feel right about having this other company making money using my name, but I'm unsure there's much I could do about it or much that my project can afford to do about it. Should I trademark my project's name? And or how should I attempt at resolving this issue with another company? And I, you know, hearing this, I'm reminded of something that happened to a friend of mine many years ago. Uh, What is your stance on trademarks and all of that hassle, Mr. Dominic? You know, I don't know. I usually defer to my attorney. Um, One thing I will say, it's usually things like that tend to be very country-specific. So, like, your trademark might be good in the U.S., but in India or, like, in particular China, right, it's not going to hold up. Um, I try not to worry about that. Mm. Um, having said that, I mean, there have been cases where I've been frustrated with things that are maybe too close to names I've used or too close to fingertips, stuff like that. And I've actually, um, um, you know, for instance, there was a uh, company – over in Asia that has a similar name to us and does totally different work. But a lot of indexing sites keep getting us confused because, you know, so they'll put like their website and our address, Ah. which is super frustrating because one of the main things we're selling is U.S.-based software development. And when the freaking website says, you know, I think it's like (laughs) somewhere in China, it's led to uncomfortable conversations during the sales cycle. So we actually had to, believe it or not, call businessweek.com and like demand that they take it down with our Duns and Bradstreet number and everything, really? which was kind of a hassle because they're like, listen, yeah, yeah. we don't care about small companies. Right. I was like, listen, then don't index us at all. We prefer, I, honestly, I'm, I'm very, I have a, this whole, I mean, the SEO discussion is a whole, whole different Jeez. thing. I'm, I think SEO is kind of a double-edged sword. 
the more visibility you have, it, it's very good for you, but it can also be kind of terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is an it's, interesting thing, isn't it? It's hard, right? Because it, so, so my understanding cases with past customers is if the violation would cause market confusion, you might have a case. But one, not a lawyer, speak to an attorney. Two, once things are international, once it's not, um, you know, for instance, this other company I'm referencing, if they had been a company, let's say, out of Pennsylvania, right, I could have forced them to change their name. Right, yes. But since they're in Asia, you know, a and d doesn't do a whole lot. Right. I actually, right. Uh, I watched the opposite thing happen. So I had a, an old friend um, who named his, uh, his really great educational software Basmati. You know, it was an online attendance and grade checking software way before there was any system like that. Written in PHP, MySQL, running on a Debian Apache box. It was truly the first of its kind. And it was neat, and it took off because of that. Um, And uh, because the person who created it was an educator, a teacher, he decided it wasn't going to be his main time, his full-time gig, so he open-sourced it and then made, you know, kind of with the traditional route, pay for my installation and consulting and future improvements. And it worked okay for him. The issue that he ran into was uh, the Basmati Rice Company. I think that is I, – I don't – they're not they're, – their headquarters is not in the U.S. Uh, and uh, I don't think it was anywhere in Europe. But it, anyways, that doesn't matter. What matters is they sent him a cease and desist, and I don't think he technically had to do it. I mean it, it became an issue for him, but – it was they were so far out of the type of software you know they weren't doing software they were doing rice and he's right. doing software so it's a totally different category there's not really market confusion and he's in the US they're outside the US well, I don't think he ever changed it yeah my my understanding is product names are easier to defend company names can be hard though so even if you know let's say somebody opened the new fingertip tech inc in Pennsylvania doing you know, digging up rocks. Ah, right? yes. That's a different they would, company, right? They would have to get a waiver from us to use the name. Okay. That makes more sense. Now, they could, you know, their rock fucking digging tool could be called Code Journal, and we can't do a damn thing about that. <laughs> that would be a right? bad name for a rock digger. <laughs> no, but it, it, I, mean, I know. Or yeah, or I know, I know. <laughs> like, it, to be honest with you, one one thing I'm finding to the, to the writer is every time you talk to a lawyer, God kills a kitten. Mm-hmm. It just seems like no one wins but the lawyers. So do you feel – I mean if they copied your software outright or were there a competitor using a similar name, then yes, by all means, guns blazing. But you know, if, if you're doing whatever you're doing and they're doing something totally different, right? If they're doing like a Candy Crush clone that happens to have a similar name, I would consider if you care. You know, uh, happened, you know what happened to uh, JB a couple of weeks ago? is somebody started a Teespring campaign on a shirt with the Linux Action Show logo on it. See, now that's screwed up because that you you actually own. There's no there's one Linux Action Show. Right. right. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, uh, I had to sit back and go, you know, what do I do about this? How much of a dick do I be? And do I need to be a dick at all? I You kind of do, right? Because you have to defend the trademark. I, 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 we, the route we ended up taking, and it was sort of unnecessary since the, the campaign wasn't successful, uh, but the route we ended up taking was uh, we contacted Teespring and said, hey, that's not us doing this. That is our logo. And uh, it wasn't a successful campaign anyway, so they they shut it down. But uh, that was that was a little odd. I had a moment where I go, oh, really? Do I have to be this guy now? I don't want to be that guy. Don't make me be that guy because uh, that's the last thing I want to have to worry about. 
Hey, uh, you know what? Speaking of legitimate uh, wares, well, I probably should mention this because it's like oh, we got one day left. The Jupiter Broadcasting Polo, it's serious. It's for real, real talk, you guys. It's it's so amazing. Uh, the logo is embroidered in, so it looks super nice and clean. And the material has this nice, heavy feel to it. And it's also like, uh, as somebody who has uh, bad luck at lunch, and I always drop food on my shirt, uh, It I just I had salsa dripped on it the other day because I was wearing one of the uh, trial ones. Wipes right off. It's that type of material. They have a ladies polo available as well. And I really like the colors we have. It's the Jupiter Broadcasting Polo. It's like, hey, give us, give you guys something to wear to work for the ladies and the and the uh, gentlemen. One day, seven hours. Go to Jupiter.gift to find it. We also have the Linux Action Show hooded jacket, which did meet its goal. So the Polo is at 78 towards 100 right now sold. So the Polo may or may not make it. If it doesn't make 100, uh, it, it probably won't. But the jacket, it already made its goal. And, uh, oh, actually, I think it's too late. You could always go and say you want one and it might reopen. But Jupiter.gift to get the polo. And we also have a Tech Talk Today hoodie. And if you order it in the next day, it'll actually get in there. It'll at least get there in time for Christmas. I don't know about other holidays, but it'll get there in time for Christmas. And you can have Teespring ship it right to the recipient. That's a Jupiter.gift for that. Speaking of legitimate swag and illegitimate swag. Okay. So EB's next, our next email and our last email today before we get into the, the topic that may, may make Mr. Dominic's eyes fill with fire and rage. E.B. wrote in, and his topic about our comments resonating with him resonated with me. He says, uh, Chris, your comments about hitting a rut and waiting and wandering off into burnout really resonated with me. I have, this is from last week's episode. I have found, however, that successful and no matter how successful and happy you are with your career and home life, it's easy to feel as though you are stuck in a prison of your own making. Little things start to become huge irritants, and you start to lose sight of what drew you to the life you have now. Mostly, though, through trial and error, I've learned that I have to physically remove myself from that environment for a while, usually a day or two every couple of months, to put things back into focus. Ideally, the time is spent doing something that has little as possible to do with the day job. Kind of a mini walkabout, EB. So this, the reason why this resonated with me is uh, I, I took two days off last week. I took Thanksgiving Day, Thursday, and Friday off. I actually worked for like 15 minutes on Friday, but, you know, I've never, ever taken two days off since last Thanksgiving, I think. I think it's been at least a year since I've had two days off. And uh, in that, in, and then the other thing about that wasn't just, it wasn't just two days of me sitting around, you know, being a dork. It was me going out and having conversations with normal folk, the family, and talking to them about stuff that they're, it was, even though it had nothing to do with the shows, it provided a lot of interesting insights into some of the topics that we talk about because it was, for me, fascinating to see how pervasive uh, smartphones are in the family, uh, technology like Uber and how Uber works and how the rating systems work. And all of these all of these nuances about the about the apps are now very, you know, very understood by people that I would consider to be very average users. You know, some of them maybe even only use a computer a couple of times a week kind of people. and Otherwise, all of their time is on their smart device. And so, Stepping outside of my work, stepping outside of this environment, going out and talking to people, uh, it gave me a lot of insights for the topics that we often cover when I was – the last thing I expected was anything productive for work. And it does help refocus the mind. It does help give you perspective on your day-to-day task. And it's one of these things where when I'm really busy and I'm really stressed out and I could need that perception the most, that's when it's the hardest time to convince myself to step away. But it turns out to be the best time to step away. 
So EB, you just resonated with me, man. You sometimes you got to step away and go walk the dogs, right, Mr. Dominic? Go walk the dog. Go walk the dog. Make a turkey club. Make a turkey club. That's for sure. Do you with do? Do you have anything that you do that just gets you away from work completely, or is that something that you don't quite have mastered? I'm I'm sorry. There is a place other than work. <laughs> hey, uh, sometimes you forget, right? Yeah, I'm a big fan of books. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, something that totally takes the mind up. You know, and I'll sometimes use podcasts for that too. Or like a Netflix series. You know, I actually just listened to a great book on audible.com. Oh, yeah? What was it? This is a non-paid advertisement. I have Uh, a pick too. When Paris Went Dark. Ooh, that sounds ominous. When Paris... I'm going to go look it up right now. Yeah, it's a history of the uh, Nazi occupation of Paris during World War II. Oh, I love that stuff. Yep. So it's real then? Uh, It's a real... It's based on a real story? Oh, yeah. It's history. Like, it's uh, it's written by a historian. Sold. He uses... Yep. He cites his sources... I'll put a link to that in the show notes, too. And I think we still have an Audible affiliate, so I'll put the affiliate link in there. Uh, what's, so, what's really interesting is yeah. he's um, he focuses on how it affected all different stratums of, like, Parisian society. Should I? You know what? Why don't I play a quick sample of it? Why the hell Go not? Ahead. Okay, I will. So The there. Nazis had been evil, and Europe and America had done well to rid that continent of Hitler and his cohort— Though blind to our own partial answers about contemporary social change, we were, on the other hand, confidently in solidarity about the German occupation of France. I remember, too, that while roaming France and Paris, I would frequently find myself before some centrally located monument, maybe one that was topped by a stone sentinel, bearing an endless list of names of people from that community, many with the same patronyms, who had been lost during the great conflict of 1914 to 1918. Oh, interesting. I could see how you could get lost in that. That's a good one. You know what? I'm totally going to add that to my... I have a couple extra credits right now. Um, Is there anything else you want to say before I tell you about my pick? No, go ahead. All right. Now, I think I've actually mentioned this on the show before, so I apologize. But it is so good. It is so, so, so good. And if if you've heard me pick it, you already know what I'm about to say. It's The Martian. Written by Andy Weir. And about once a year, I have a book that is so much more compelling than anything I could watch, anything else I could listen to, that it's it's one that I'll remember for the rest of my life. That is this book. Uh, so it starts with um, the, a lot of the concepts in this book were, were uh, really talked a lot by my co-host on the Sidebite, Heather. Um, some of the things her company worked on, some of the ideas and philosophies of how you would actually get to Mars and 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 equip people on Mars and and do the surveillance on Mars, and it's so it's it's not only is it almost with a couple of exceptions extremely scientifically accurate, but they managed to make that scientific accuracy actually a compelling part of the story that keeps you on edge. It sounds geeky, but it's amazing. This book is so powerful that something kind of bad happens i don't want to spoil so much but something happens i was i this this has never happened to me in a book i was so emotionally invested in the character that when things went south i put i had to put the book down for three weeks because i wasn't ready emotionally for this bad thing to happen and uh then when i got back into the book again i kicked myself for waiting because it was so good i'm just it's it is it's a it's a book of a lifetime and i just want to play a sample of it because again it's so good hopefully it doesn't swear because it starts with some swear words the aries program 
Mankind reaching out to Mars to send people to another planet for the very first time and expand the horizons of humanity, blah, blah, blah. The Ares-1 crew did their thing and came back heroes. They got the parades and fame and love of the world. Ares-2 did the same thing, in a different location on Mars. They got a firm handshake and a hot cup of coffee when they got home. Ares-3, well, that was my mission. Okay, not mine, per se. Commander Lewis was in charge. I was just one of her crew. Actually, I was the very lowest-ranked member of the crew. I would only be in command of the mission if I were the only remaining person. What do you know? I'm in command. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, that's how it starts. It's by Andy Weir, narrated by R.C. Bray, and he just does an amazing job bringing life to the characters. It's a great example of why audiobooks can sometimes be uh, a great alternative to reading and I'll put a link to that in the show notes, The Martian. You could also get it on all your other places, but uh, I really think sometimes Audible is the best way to hear some of this stuff. Totally unplanned, unsolicited, unpaid plug, but I, if you guys need some maybe holiday reading or something like that, When Paris Went Dark, that's my next one, Mr. Dominic. Right now, Spam Nation's my current one from Brian Krebs, which is also out on Audible. Mm, excuse me. Okay. All right, well, we should probably get to our main topic, which means... I'm going to thank our next sponsor, and that's DigitalOcean. This is a game changer. DigitalOcean is amazing. Uh, I first learned about it from Mike when he said, hey, do you know that I'm using this incredible service for the back end of my apps, and it's one of our competitive advantages? What What are you talking about? What? I've heard of all of the great services. What are you talking about? So I went and looked them up. I made an account. Next thing you know, they're one of our sponsors because they are awesome. DigitalOcean is a simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way to spin up a cloud server. We've got a promo code. Oh, you know what? It's probably transition time. I should ping them. So uh, if uh, if it's still early December, you can use the promo code CODERNOVEMBER. And uh, that'll get you a five, or I'm sorry, that'll get you a ten dollar credit, which will give you the five dollar rig two months for free. Uh, Coder November is our transition because now it's beginning of December, so we'll probably have uh, Coder December too. It's really straightforward. You take those codes and you can apply it to the balance of your account. If you've got a brand new account, that'll give you a ten dollar credit to try out their five dollar rig, and for five dollars a month, in less than fifty five seconds. You're going to get 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and a terabyte of transfer on DigitalOcean servers. That's going to be a droplet for you. And DigitalOcean has data centers in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, and London. So you can go global with this and get distributed everywhere. They're really nice data centers. they got pictures up on Instagram. But it's really that interface that makes the difference. It's so simple. And their control panel is massively intuitive, yet very powerful. And you can replicate the functionality of the control panel with their straightforward API. And you're seeing, you don't even have to do it. I mean, yes, you can. You probably can, and you probably would want to. But if you're like me and you're kind of lazy, turns out there's a whole community out there already making a whole bunch of great stuff around that API. It all goes back to that API. So you can really get started, automate processes, snap it into your management infrastructure. It's such a great interface. You can get up and running in no time, take snapshots, DNS management, one-click installs of things like GitLab, Docker, Rails, all of it. Just click, click, you're done. On super fast hardware running up in the cloud that you have root access to. And DigitalOcean's getting even better. Sure, they got all that nailed down. Yeah, they invested in SSDs a long time ago. They've got an amazing SLA. I don't think in, in a while, I don't think I've ever had an outage. I don't think I have. And they have an SLA of 99.99%. But guess what? DigitalOcean wants to get even better. So they're willing to pay for tutorials. You can get up to $100, $200 for a tutorial, if you've got an idea of to write something to write up that could help DigitalOcean users, 
DigitalOcean has editors that will work with you to make it a great piece, and they can pay up to $200. So go over to DigitalOcean.com right now. Use the promo code CODERNOVEMBER, why it still works. Why not rep for November and give us like a little bing on their charts? Maybe I'm sure they'll have somebody with a big spreadsheet up, and they'll have all of the, all of the ways people heard about DigitalOcean. Let's make Coder Radio top of that list by using the promo code CODERNOVEMBER. That's a great way to thank them for supporting your favorite podcast. And it's also just a great way for you to try out a DigitalOcean rig for free for two months. See why DigitalOcean invested in SSD only. Why they use KVM on amazing hardware all powered by Linux. And you can get started in less than a minute and take advantage of private networking, transfer the images globally. You can even transfer them to clients once you've built something. And they have that simple API, which means if you ever get busy, you're not going to have to worry about scaling yourself. Because that API will always be there to help you out. DigitalOcean.com. Use the promo code CODERNOVEMBER when you check out... And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio Program. So uh, you and my buddy Chase from Unfilter are uh, fired up about the same thing. And Chase, just to give you background, spent about a year. Uh, he got laid off from the Nielsen Ratings Company. And he has a whole bunch of great stories about how Nielsen works, but that's for another show. Uh, and he got laid off after working there for, I think, 10, 11 years. Then he spent about a year trying to find a tech job. And producer Eric has also struggled to try and find a tech job. Right? I know a lot of people have been looking for tech jobs for a long time. So to hear Microsoft, who is laying off tens of thousands of workers, say there's a worker shortage, to see Facebook and Mike, Mike, Mike Zuckerberg, <laughs> Mike go out there and create a foundation to bring in new workers, you would think we are at a crisis of technology expertise. But Business Week is running an article this week. Mike uh, tweeted it out, too. That's where I first saw about it. The tech worker shortage doesn't really exist, it says. Uh, and it all comes from uh, the, I think the reason this got published, really, the impetus to put it out, pushed out the door was, President Obama's recent executive action, which will increase the number of U.S. college graduates from abroad who can temporarily be hired by U.S. corporations. Uh, but so far, the tech sector seems to be unsatisfied with this executive action. Here's the issue. They say they don't have enough workers. But the counterargument from scholars is the tech worker shortage doesn't actually exist. Here's a quote. There's no evidence of any way, shape, or form that there is a shortage in the conventional sense. This is Hal Zelsman, a professor of planning and public policy at Rutgers University. There may not be, they may not be able to find them at the price they want, but I'm not sure that qualifies as a shortage any more than not being able to find a half-price TV qualifies as a shortage. A real-life example he points to is the case of petroleum engineers where supply workers, the supply of workers failed to keep up with the growth in the oil exploration industry. As a result, Salzman says, just as people predicted, economics predicted, employers had to just start offering more money. And as a result, more people got into the field and the shortage took care of itself. Uh, and he also says, you can look at the opposite side of this. Take a look at tech wages. A paper released last year by the Economic Policy Institute says that real IT wages are the same as they were in 1999. Now, if there's a shortage, wouldn't the wages be going up? But if you adjust for the cost of living increases in inflation, real IT wages have been the same since 1999. Zelsman says the real issue is the industry's desire for lower wage, more exploitable guest workers and not a lack of available American staff. He goes on to say, direct quote, it seems pretty clear that the industry just wants low-cost labor. 
Oh, I'm sorry, that's Dean Baker. He's the co-director of the Center for Economic and Policy Research. He wrote an email to Businessweek. And by the way, a 2011 review by the U.S. Government Accountability Office found that H-1B visa programs, which industry groups are lobbying hard to expand, Mike Zuckerberg's is one of them, have fragmented and restricted oversight and weakened labor standards in the IT industry. Many in the tech industry are using it for cheaper indentured labor, says uh, Roaster, the Roaster Institute of Technology and Public Policy. And, and then they go on to say, evidence of an existed labor shortage for Facebook, they said, hey, well, let's contact these and say, let's contact Microsoft, let's contact Facebook and say, hey, we need evidence for a worker shortage. They contacted Facebook, said, give us your proof. What is the worker shortage? What are you running into? What problems are you having? And Facebook's reply, one sentence. We look forward to hearing more specifics about the president's plan on how we'll impact the skills gap that threatens the competitiveness of the tech sector. Now, um, I, I just cannot buy off on this. I know more unemployed tech workers today than I've known in 15 years that I've been watching the tech industry. Yeah, but I, I mean, let me just play devil's advocate a little. Go ahead. Right? I, go ahead. So, so there are two sides to the coin. One, I know plenty of unemployed tech workers, too, who made mistakes, right, who got super into one technology, mm-hmm. didn't, you know, and that they could get jobs, right? I mean, let's say they were pick something weird, right? I'm just going to make something up. Programming language, why? Okay. And why just got obliterated off of their local geographic area, right? Ruby comes along. Ruby comes <laughs> along. And they, they certainly could get a junior job as a Ruby developer. But, you know, there's the issue of should unemployment require someone who was a, let's say, software architect or a senior developer to take an available junior job? I actually say it should. I'm I'm a little less friendly to the laborers, which is so. Even if shocking. it's like say twenty forty percent, twenty thirty forty percent less pay. Yes, and I will tell you why. I feel like developers in particular have kind of made their own bed mm-hmm. in terms of. You know, I, I've learned over the last year, and we've talked about it a lot that junior developers out of school don't know anything, yet have this idea that they are entitled to a relatively high salary. Mm-hmm. But it turns out hiring a junior developer, at least for the first year, is a huge cost, right? It's a huge drain. So I'm wondering would and, – and, and certainly there is a level of greed going on here, right? Um, you know, Microsoft and Facebook are trying to abuse people. End of story. But I'm just thinking of it from the smaller perspective of, you know, if you have to hire a junior developer and he has to make, you know – Ten grand more than what normal people are making out of college, hmm. then you're not really incentivized to train him, right? You're incentivized to only hire ones who have experience and who can actually do the job day one. Mm-hmm. And what I've noticed that a lot, of, particularly when I was doing a lot of contracting where I was going into bigger companies, their junior developer always had a year of experience, two years experience. Like there, was, there was no real like I'm fresh out of college, um, or if there was, you know, they had done an internship there for six months, right? Yeah what used to be the case is there used to be a whole training system, right? You would work in the QA department for a year. You would get trained up on writing right. scripts. You would right. do stuff like that. Yep. Then you would become a junior developer. Right. But right. you made, you know, eight bucks an hour. Right, right. right. And right. you did that you, starting as young as possible, so that way you got the earliest head start in that because you had to climb that ladder But even if you didn't, if you got out of college and you didn't do that while you were a student, you accepted, maybe they paid you nine or ten bucks an hour, right? Sure, you, yeah, you, of course. You, you accepted that and you didn't, for lack of a better term, bitch. What I think is happening now is that there's an expectation for a higher starting wage and employers are, are trying to 
you know, make it back, right? I mean, Facebook and Microsoft are notorious for their crazy hours, right? Like, having said all of my little devil's advocacy, I think kids think that, you know, want to make too much money and really they shouldn't. Um, it's pretty obvious what they're doing, right? What Microsoft and Facebook are doing. Right. I mean, I've seen cases where companies have tailor written jobs to be like, you know, the salary is $30,000. You have to have a PhD and a P- PhD in right. software engineering, yeah. have worked for NASA. Like, yeah. I've seen crazy shit mm-hmm. where they almost took the guy's resume and went, okay, so how do we write this in a job description? It's, you know, it does feel like, uh, from the company side, uh, there is a little bit less willingness to invest over the long term in people too. And it's probably well, as a response to how fluid the market is now. But again, devil's advocate, right? You hire these junior people and what happens? They work for you they work for you for a year or two years and then they jump ship for the big raise, right? Like they, I, this is a weird, complicated problem and I almost feel yeah, like Yeah, there's a lot of things causing it. You know, having been on both sides, I could definitely see how. So you want me to pay you what? You want me to train you just so you could work for my competitor, you know, a train right away? So do you think this is the market at play putting pressure on employees to lower their expectations because the the companies are saying, well, we can go out and get relatively similar talented people for less money? So I think the pressure is on junior employees, right? I think junior employees definitely need to, you know – lower their expectations, but Emmanuel in the chat room is making a good point. It used to be you worked at a company forever and you got decent pay raises every other year or something like that. That right? seems like the dream. That's no longer a thing. And again, I can see both perspectives. I wish I could hire people for life. But I have to know in the back of the head when I'm making that mm-hmm. first negotiation with someone to hire them mm-hmm. that this guy's probably looking, in particular when I deal with people who maybe have worked before, all they're trying to do is add mobile to their resume, right? And they might leave in hell, you know, six months. Hmm. Um, so the, there, there's kind of a weird, I don't know, I think the whole culture of work and, you know, the employer employee relationship has gotten to a place of being a little too adversarial and certainly the government doesn't help, right? All the regulations, all that kind of crap when you have American, it's, it's enough to make you cry. Um, where if you bring someone over for, from say India, you basically can ignore most of those laws because if they squawk, you send them, you know, back home. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I I see it both ways. You know, the other thing is, like, as a small business, poaching is a huge freaking threat, right? Like, it seems to me that as because you uh, you are also on the end of this, where uh, not just a single employee might get you might you have the problem where entire contracts can go overseas. Isn't this sort of the same issue? So I think I think it's a different issue, right? Because and maybe I'm just naive, but I feel like an employer-employee relationship can be based on mutual trust that, mm-hmm. you know, if you're loyal, the employer will have your best interests at heart. You just need a little bit of blind faith. Now, that's obviously no longer the case. Certainly, if I worked at Facebook or Microsoft and I heard this news, I'd be right. polishing up my resume and Does it, Wouldn't it be infuriating if you're an employee there? But my, my point is that you can't paint all tech companies with the brush of the big companies, right? The actions of the big guys... Because here's the thing, right? Satya Nadella, first of all, he's an Indian himself. So he probably doesn't have any sort of loyalty to hiring you know, domestic workers, which isn't immoral. It's just something if you are a domestic worker, I think you need to take into account hmm. that they have no – you know, whenever a company says we have a global perspective, that's a bad thing for you. Um, on the other hand, it's not 
you know, the burden isn't totally on the employee, right? It should be on the employer of if I'm going to hire someone, I should have an intended path to keep them for, you know, indefinitely, right? Unless something bad happens to the business. I guess I see to me, uh, this is where I this is where I kind of look at it from the employer standpoint. Like if I'm going to hire somebody, um it, it, there, it does not matter what kind of experience you probably have because we do it like nobody else. And so right. I have to train you. So to me, it seems like what employers have opted to do is instead of investing somebody and sort of moving them up and starting, you know, giving them like they make a little bit of a bet, maybe pay slightly more than they should, but they hire a domestic person from their local community right. and then they right. give them a step raise increases as they uh, increase their responsibilities. That seems to be the old model, the model that seems to make sense to me. The new model is, well, we're going to we instead of starting at square one and train them up to square five or square ten, we're going to start at square six. And if they don't meet those requirements, we'll just go outside the local area. And instead of investing over the long time in somebody they're just trying to go right to let's just get the expert oh well we don't have enough experts so now we have a shortage it's you know i don't really understand why this is a problem for microsoft and facebook because they have enough money that they're they don't really need to worry about competing on salary right yeah i I know i can tell you as a small business owner what my fear is this is my nightmare scenario right i meet a great candidate from our local university i want to hire him i hire him pay a little more than I wanted to, but actually I got rid of that by having flat same everybody on the same scale. But you and then I train them, you know, there's a cost for the first six months senior people are having to train them, having to take time away from yeah. their tasks yeah, yeah. to get them up. You know, it's he's expensive. useless. Yeah. He's there for seven months. He's only really been useful for one month and then he hands me his uh you know resignation telling me, you know, oh I'm gonna go work over at the uh name larger company here right Mm -hmm. so that that's straight up a loss like that there there is no you know no amount of bernie madoff creative accounting is going to not make that a loss and it's not an insignificant loss either it's it's a big big loss right you know it's not like taking a potential client out for lunch and then having them not sign the contract it's you know it, it is a huge significant loss yeah it is so i you know, I, I kind of understand the defensiveness. Now, I don't understand the defensiveness when you have more money than God and you can just be like, or we'll just pay you double. Right? Like, they really seem passionate about it, too. Like Mark Zuckerberg, right? He has a whole foundation around lobbying for this thing. Like it's it's a cause. It, it is like a cause for him. It is literally he has a nonprofit set up around it. It is literally a cause. I do not get that. Because isn't I mean I also don't have a problem with uh, immigration work. I, I, I'm not trying to say you it has to be exclusive. So, so I have a huge problem with immigration work, and let me let me tell you why. All right. In the tech field, I fingertip is in Eatontown, New Jersey, near a university called Monmouth, Monmouth University, right? If we even post a part time 10.99, you know, do this quick assignment for us, you know, we, maybe we have overflow artwork, right? Skin a couple buttons for us. We get tens. To hundreds of resumes, depending on the type of work, from students. Mm-hmm. We send it to Monmouth. We get students from Rutgers, another relatively local university, applying that we didn't even. We had no relationship with Rutgers, and we still have no relationship with Rutgers to do that. There are people who are at our junior level desperate for work, where as an employer you can have your pick of the litter, like you, right. You know, it's 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 not that GI can't get anyone in the door now. Whether they can pass fizzbuzz or not is you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you know, it, it, 
and you know we're not a big company right like we're tiny no one i don't think there's anybody who's going to college gee how can i be so attractive to fingertip right I I have to imagine that if Microsoft did the same thing, oh gee, we have some overflow summer. Uh, you know, we need some QA testers for this project for a couple of weeks. Posted it to their local university. Do they not get thousands of resumes? Of course, of course. So what's the problem? And in terms of intermediate and senior people, well, if you were hiring people at a junior level, keeping them and training them, you, nature is going to give you intermediate and, and senior developers, right? Over time. Gosh, I think this is the problem I have with it, is it feels like, in a way, peeing in your own well. But maybe uh, maybe the problem is, is uh, despite how much we hate it, there really is a global competition for these jobs. Even, I mean, even as, as, even as real as that has been, like, I think we're still having a hard time fully grasping all of the right. downsides of that. And the companies are looking at all of the ways that it can be really beneficial for them. It. And yeah. like you said, you've raised some really good reasons why they might do that. Like, it's kind of understandable. That's even more infuriating. Well, certainly there's no unemployment insurance for, you know, a guy from Chennai, India, right? right? Like, I'm just saying there are lots of reasons. Well, and a lot of times, you know, their being here is dependent on their work status. So that is a massive bit of leverage that the companies have. Let me hit you with another ingredient in the pot here, right? You, do you know that unpaid internships recently became effectively verboten in most states? No. If you do an unpaid internship and you get audited for any reason related to payroll, you're toast. Mm. Unless that intern literally just got you coffee. Well, gee, a four-week unpaid internship is a great way to train someone on the ropes, right, and potentially get them a part-time than a right. full-time and job. Right, and get a really good sense if they're going to be a so, workable part of the team. Again, a complex problem, but I would – anyone who's raging against the whole H-1B visa thing, as I have done – I strongly urge you to look at your own state's labor laws and your own state's labor policies and see. Of course, you know, they were written to protect people from, you know, the Rockefellers, right? Working people 80 hours a week, things like that for pennies on the dollar. But is an unpaid internship really evil? I wouldn't think so. It seems like an education opportunity. Because in New Jersey, it's evil. I'm Hmm. just throwing it out there. In New Jersey, it's against the law. So do you suspect do you suspect that this kind these kinds of stances will hurt or bolster independent contract work? Could it be that Oh well that's so the other shoe has also dropped, at least in my state of New Jersey. The requirements to actually pay someone on ten eighty nine are far stricter than they've ever been. And you you get into these situations where if you want control of quality, ten ninety nines get very dangerous, right? Very quickly. Because it, remember, it varies state by state. There's no federal – I mean the IRS cares, but your state may think differently than my state, right? So Washington might be like, whatever, if you sign a 1099, you're done. New Jersey is not like that. I guess I find it uh, – see, the chat room is really against uh, free unpaid internships. Uh, uh, but so, that's, so how I got, is- that's how I got my start, right? I worked for free for a year uh, because right. I, I, a, I was passionate about the work, but B – uh, it was a, it, for me. It was all about. It was a learning experience. And after a year, they're like, "Well, you're so freaking invaluable." It was, by the way, it was a school year, not a full year. Uh, they they hired me as an actual employee, and they had to like adjust rules to make that work. And I was technically classified as a janitor in the union pay scale. Right. But I worked for almost. I I guess I mean, how long is a school year plus the summer? Uh, as a unpaid intern, that's what they called me. 
And to me, it was the best thing in my career because it got me working side by side with IT professionals, learning the trade and making me qualified. In fact, making me uniquely qualified for the position they then opened for me. So I, I get that. Yeah, you could consider it indentured slave labor. But at the same time, it well, is so, so big to be clear, a right? huge investment from these businesses to train a person. I mean, I, I agree. You know, it's not all anti-government, right? Certainly. An internship should only be legal for a student. If anyone's trying to give a forty-year-old guy oh, yeah, an internship, yeah, yeah. they they you know they need to have their head examined. Um, additionally, you know we've had interns. We've always paid them. We've never had an unpaid intern because I'm psychotically paranoid about the state of New Jersey. <laughs> I, I just am because New Jersey is a very, you know, not to get too political, but it is a very democratic state. A very very despite the current governor. Very anti-employer state. So what happens is if you had an intern that thought he was going to get a job and maybe he sucked so you just didn't give him a job, well, they could come back and demand the wages. So why not just pay them up front? Yeah. Right? Well, and if you – like other, you said, like if you're Google rich, that makes sense. Well, if you're Google rich, I don't even know what the problem is. Yeah. <laughs> That's – you know, the limiting factor in all of this is money. So if you're Google – Guy comes in, you know, I, I make, you know, I'm a senior developer, been here for 10 years, I'm making $100,000, um, I'd really like $100,000 and uh, maybe 5000 more a year. Can you do that, Sergey? Can you hook me up? No, sorry, man, we're going to get this guy from India. I mean, really, that, that's breaking you? I guess I am surprised to see how, uh, how against people are working for free when they're just starting out. It does kind of show me some insight into how there is some problem too on the worker side. I'm not saying anybody should work for free if they don't have to. No. But if you're totally green and there's an area you want to get into and this company is willing to invest you know time and that time right. could even be one of their senior engineers works with you for 6 months, that is that's that you're making money because that's money you don't have to go pay a school so or take I, a course I, on. I mean it, to me it I seems crazy that's the, that's the fundamental problem junior folks are having is that they think they're productive when they're in fact a huge cost center, right? So, right. They think they can come in and immediately contribute something, and right. so and how dare realize, I not get paid? You know, you didn't get the job because your code sample was impressive. You got the job because you seemed like you'd work really hard, and that when you went home at five five thirty, you would you know read the Java book on your own time and get better, right? And I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like a curmudgeon hating on the young people, but I, I've seen less and less of that kind of thing. I mean, they're yeah, I mean, like you know, you're, if you're going to get a job at Jupiter Broadcasting, there's a good there's a good chance you're going to have to work for free for a while because it's not see like in in a really small business, a lot of times if you want to work there, you have to create the revenue stream to pay for yourself. Like that's not an uncommon thing. So if we bring somebody on, there has to be a way to afford that person, and sometimes well, the way to afford that person is by the work that they do to get the revenue to come in in the first place. Well, I and remember, it's like a training process at the same time. So yeah. we're vetting them and training them, and they're getting experience, and they can still put it on the resume. I remember when I got my first uh, part-time job in college doing Java applets. You know, the the lady who did the actual hiring, she wasn't the person I worked for, but she was, I guess she was like some sort of manager who had to approve it. She handed me a Java book and said, I hope you're reading this at night and on your own time because you won't last very long if you don't. Mm. That's fair, I think, to do to someone junior, right? I, I think that's, you know, it, I mean, programming is a trade, right? If you don't want to learn your trade, then sorry. If you were a carpenter and you blew up some guy's house or a plumber and you blew up some guy's house and you, the plumbing company fires you, reasonable. It, it just seems... I don't know. I, I, I guess sometimes I feel like IT people are kind of 
in terms of other types of laborers, they have it the best, or we have it the best, and we bitch the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, yeah. There is, like, I, I guess, it definitely matters. Like it, it, that the audience of if you should work for free or not. Like for the audience, it's going to totally depend on each individual scenario and situation. Like honestly, if I was just starting out and I was 17, 18 to 25 years old, I'd probably work for Googs for free because, shit, I want that on my resume. Yeah, I worked for Googs for a year. They didn't pay me anything. But, you know, like this, you, there's all these, everybody's complaining about they having all these requirements, and then now somebody's offering to check it off on the list. Now, you have to be in a very unique position to do that. Maybe you still have to live at home or have another, I'm, I'm telling you, I understand. I was able to do it because I was a student at the time, but it was a huge part of me getting my start. And, uh, I think it would be a, when I look at my business now, it's just the nature of a small business. Now, when you go to something big like a Microsoft or a Google, it would be great if they could pay an intern. I think in most cases they do. But, you know, so, I, I just don't okay, get the again, total refusal to work for free for a little while. But yet right, you could contribute. Not paying interns. I mean, eight bucks an hour or whatever it is in your state. I mean, New Jersey's like eight seventy. I mean, maybe. Know. And I wouldn't totally be opposed to it if it was doable. Uh, you know, if the company was in a position to afford that kind of thing, I would actually like to be able to give somebody a little bit of money. That would be my preferred way to go. But in reality, when people need jobs and uh, the the people that are hiring can't afford them yet, what else right. are you going to do? And there's that. There's the experience problem. There's all of it. And so just to hear the the complete total refusal to work for free, it does sort of change my perspective a little bit. That well, I, said, I think what I, it is is the, the market is trying to basically lower at, at least junior wages, right? Maybe senior wages are, are okay, but it's definitely trying to lower junior wages. And I, I strongly feel that IT work is a trade and not a profession, which is a big, big difference. Because in a trade, you're someone's apprentice for three years. You basically get a job where you're taught and you understand that they're doing you a favor by giving you the job. Um, and I see a lot of cockiness in kids just coming out of yeah. school. Well, like, I'm going to go rewrite Facebook. I think I think you know you could do an informal survey. Uh, I think ask people that are in a good position now and ask if they've ever worked for free for a little while. Um, I, I know personally in my life, a lot of people that are re- that refuse to ever work for free are people that are continuing to you know struggle because they don't see there's other values outside of just monetary gain. Yeah, I mean it's, it's we, a hard should, thing though. I know it's yeah, really we should, hard. it's super hard, right? We yeah. shouldn't go on much longer. And there's the whole other aspect though of depending on your state, if you're in the United States, I know, yeah. The government may be so onerous on the employer that the employer has to. And it's, it's also, you know, it's pretty unreasonable if you're maybe in your 30s, you have kids, you're older than that, and you know, you have a, you yeah. have a rent to pay. I mean, then it's not as feasible. But I, I still really believe that, you know, at the end of the day, the ideal situation is we get back to the 50s, and I know that's going to be quoted. And <laughs> hate me. Yeah, yeah. But we get back to, you know, when you went to work for Gillette, you were a Gillette man, and that was it. You didn't go shop around next door. Even if Mock or whoever the other Razor Bick, the other Razor company was going to pay you more, you just didn't do it, right? You were – because until we get rid of this adversarial relationship, um, you know, at, at least as a small business owner, I, I, it's hard for me to invest in people. Because even you know an investment of ten thousand dollars is significant, right? Yeah, and and that's what it comes down to is that you know I have no idea what Google's problem is again. So yeah, I and Facebook. What, I can, I can I tell you what, what my problem. Mike's is. got all that fa- uh, Facebook stock money. I'm not sure what his problem is. Oh, I'm sorry, Mark. <laughs> I like that I call him Mike. That's my new thing. <laughs> yeah, I agree okay. with Mr. Dominic. Yeah, I mean, and, and the other thing is, you know, people go to, like Alex talking about, if they go to decent school, yes, the Harvards and MITs of the world are in a totally different, you know, place. But there well, are far more people at local state universities 
local private universities and technical schools that need work that can't go in and make $70,000. I think the right? fundamental premise of the Business Week article is going with is that the big IT companies are really doing it so that way they can pay less is fundamentally true. There's a lot of reasons and a lot of contentions for those reasons and a lot of good reasons on both sides for them, though. I think that's kind of right. where we're at. And it's just a, it's a something it's going to be a long transition still. I don't feel like we're even in the middle of that transition. I think it's maybe and never the ever beginning. hire anybody from Kansas. Right, of course. Ever. We all know that uh, you can't trust them. Yes, Mr. Dominic, is there anything you'd like to tell people about, anywhere you'd like to send folks throughout the week? Yes, I would like to send them to remember remember the fifth of November dot gov. <laughs> Little ironic, but I would say, how about that contact form over jupiterbroadcasting dot com slash contact? Send us in your thoughts on this topic or coderadio dot reddit dot com. And why not join us live jblive.tv on a Monday? Noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar to get that converted to your local time zone. And uh, go check out Fingertip Tech, too. Why not? Maybe they could solve something for you. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning this week's episode of Coda Radio. We'll see you right back here next week.